G'day, I'm Kevin Hillier and welcome to the Two Dogs podcast. With thanks, of course, to the Past Players and Officials Association. Check out their Facebook page for all the details of what's coming up and what they've got going on and, uh, and news from, uh, from the past players. And, of course, we've got uh, back episodes of, uh, of this particular podcast featuring Brian Royal, Steve Wallace, uh, Stephen Power, Gordon Casey, Jake Landsberger, Dale Morris, uh, Stephen Smith and, uh, and Peter Welsh. So some good back episodes as well. And today, a beauty on the way for you. Two great Bulldogs people. Ross Abbey and Alan Stoneham. 128 games for uh, for Rocky, for Alan Stoneham. Uh, and, of course, he wore the very famous number three when he came to the club. And a famous number for Ross Abbey as well, the, the number worn by his dad, the number 30. So a uh, look at the Abbey connection uh, in uh, in all its glory, actually, uh, with the with the Bulldogs, uh, with the uh, Footscray Football Club. Uh, so sit back for the next uh, half an hour or so and enjoy some reminiscing about some of the good old days with uh, Ross the Boss and uh, the original Rocky. Gents, thanks for joining me. Um, it, it, fair to say uh, the uh, the initiation you both had to the football clubs couldn't have me, been more diametrically different. Ross? Um, well, I guess in one respect, uh, Alan certainly burst on the scene with, uh, with high expectations. Um, I uh, had high expectations of myself early days. And, um, as uh, just turned 18, played round two, in the seniors, so my second game against men was against Melbourne, yep. and uh, so that was um, pretty much the path that I was hoping to take. In um, having um, um, a dad who played in the 1954 premiership side, um, the uh, the next couple of years uh, it didn't uh, quite work out. I was playing in the seconds, and I, and I thought reasonably well that there were eight games after three years, and it wasn't. Uh, until a bit later that uh, the solid grounding of those three years um, meant that uh, I, when I got in, I, sta- I stayed in after that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, whereas uh, Alan, you were, you were literally parachuted out of the Sunshine VFA side into the seniors. Yeah, I, yeah, I played it, um, against Preston um, at Skinner Reserve the previous Sunday um, uh, on Laurie Hill and um, had a reasonable game. Well, I, I kicked five goals, which, which surprised me to no end. Yeah. And uh, come next week, um, it was the day before clearances closed. When it, June thirty, I think it was in those days. Yep. It was Bob, Bob Rose and Jack Collins were sitting in my lounge room one Thursday night, and uh, I, I got home from uh, a school play, uh, and they sat there and said, "Look, uh, we'd like you to come and play." And I thought, "Oh, I'm hard a bit." And, and, and my, in all honesty, wasn't um, over excited about the idea to, to, to go across the footscray because I was playing the VFA and, you know, comfortable, all that sort of thing. Out of the blue, uh, uh, Jack said, look, we'll, we'll give you uh, Ted's number. We'll bring it out of um, out of, out of mothballs. And I thought, oh, no one's wore Ted's number. And I used to wear it as a kid, so it was, yeah. a, it was a fairly decent carrot to, uh, to hang in front of me. I thought, oh. I looked at my mum. I thought, what do you think? She said, oh, look, your decision. And, you know, probably being a... Um, which is a little bit left field. I said, "Can I ring you in the morning?" <laughs> they them with their mouth open. Anyway, so long and short that I, I said, "Yes, look, I'd love to do it." And uh, so I organised to get cleared on the following day, which was the Friday. All the papers had to be rushed into uh, into Harrison House, and um, the deal was done just just before uh, they closed. Yeah, they they got it away, and um, unexpectedly uh, they picked me. The doggies picked me in the um, in the senior side. I hadn't even played there, and uh, against North Melbourne at Garden Street. Yep. 
Um, Ross, you were you were you were obviously at the club at that stage, and you you were struggling as you say to get a game in the seniors. How does it feel when they when they kind of you know uh, parachute in a sixteen year old blonde headed kid from Sunshine? He certainly um, seemed like he could play pretty well. So I don't I don't remember any hard feelings uh, about that. It was a little unusual, but uh, they were bringing in guys from the country at different times. Um, but yeah, he certainly had a fanfare and um, justifiably, I think. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I don't know about justifiably. <laughs> game. I kicked the goal with my first kick, and I reckon that was there was very there was very few and far between. Um, um, I played in Gary Counton, and uh, when I kicked the goal, he got moved off me. And a boy by the name of Dench decided um, to come on in, and uh, I tell you what, he just didn't let me near the ball. You know, he probably had about another four kicks for the day, and I thought, oh god, this week he's pretty tough. Five kicks, one mark, three handballs, and one goal was your was your stats for your first game, which uh, you know is, is not a bad not a bad return. Kicking a goal was my first kick fairly early. I thought this is pretty easy. This is just keep rolling. <laughs> not the case. Yeah, <laughs> Ross, what are your memories of your first game in that that debut game in round two against Melbourne back in nineteen seventy one? Uh, well, I guess the first thing was uh, the realization that the guys that you'd sort of idolised as a young teenager. You're out playing this. And uh, David Darcy, I had a photo of David Darcy on my wall. And he'd uh, come back from South Australia late in pre-season. So I didn't really, I hardly knew him. And here I am playing with uh, David Darcy. So it was all a bit um, surreal. And certainly, as most people find, the the speed of the game early days was just incredible. And uh, you just, uh, yeah, so I guess it was all about the speed and so forth. And the makeup of the teams was so different to what the modern footballers are, are, are used to these days. And look at the team that you ran out with uh, on your first game, Alan, and uh, it included uh, the likes of Dempsey, McGee, Merrington, Quinlan, Round, Sanderlands, Thorpe, and Welsh. It is the land of the Giants. I'm throwing Bissett. Yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, the the old uh, you know team balance type thing. Uh, there clearly wasn't that wasn't in the uh, in the equation back in those days because that was that is about seven blokes you know over six foot five, six foot six. Exactly. It uh, that, that that meant meant for nothing in those days. So it, uh, the game the game changed very very quickly over the, the next few years. Ross, I want to talk about, and you, you mentioned your dad, Angus, but it's it's three generations of uh, of Abbeys that uh, that uh, frequent the, the the Bulldogs. Uh, your your granddad Bert uh, before your dad. Bert is a life member. Dad's um, dad is a life member of the footy club. Uh, he was uh, president of the Footscray District League for over a decade. Yep. Um, my mum's dad uh, played uh, Len Johnson, and he played in the twenties when they were a superpower in the. Association BFA, um, and he played in the 1920 Premiership side. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've got um, strong links on both sides. And um, his mum's uncle um, Charlie Drunden was the champion in um, sort of, uh, 1988, 99, 2000, uh, 1900. In back in that era, they were yeah. So there was. A, Strong links on both sides. Oh, absolutely, and and uh, an enormous amount of premierships in that in that cluster as well. The pity we can't add those to the two we now have. Yeah, uh, your your dad obviously was twentieth man in that nineteen fifty four grand final, and that uh, the, there's a lovely photo which I, I was looking at last night of you and your dad's jumper. Uh, after, I think what you would have been about eighteen months old at that stage after the fifty four grand final. That's correct. Yes, yes. There's a photo of. 
uh, me and Dad's jumper the day after the grand final with the number 30 on it. And I was uh, fortunate enough to uh, wear that through my career as well. You uh, you decided to choose, you chose the Bulldogs because you had the opportunity. Obviously, you were zoned to Essendon, but you chose the Bulldogs under the father son rule. Um, uh, That's right. Uh, so take us through that process for you. I mean, we just heard from Alan his his thoughts on you know as a sixteen year old thinking about uh, making the jump. Well, what what uh, what got you over the line to the doggies rather than Essendon? Yes, um, I played my junior footy at Strathmore and at school at Wesley College, um, and uh, I was invited to play with Essendon and trained with Essendon and uh, trained with Footscray. Um, and a couple of times I actually trained at Essendon and got the bus over to Footscray and trained. So wow. <laughs> that happened only a few times. But, uh, yeah, they were very, um, you know, obviously Essendon a great club, but I have absolutely no regret about uh, choosing the right hey, Ross, club. Um, Ross, and, I'll be uh, honest, Kevin. He, he hated Essendon for years. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I was really keen to play well at Windy Hill and then just uh, happen to go down Napier Street and get a, get a milkshake or, and then go back and get another milkshake. Um, so, yeah, I guess, um, I mean, you just can't admire, like Essendon, you really admire, obviously they've had issues in the last uh, decade, but you had to admire them. They were the, the strong club with the, all of the finances right and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but what hurt me is the supporters sort of felt they they should be in the finals every year. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was very keen to play well and win against Essendon. Yes. Yeah, Alan's right on that score. Hey, Alan, when you got to the Doggies, uh, who took you under their wing? Did anyone sort of uh, mentor you a little in the early days? Absolutely. Um, I was very, very fortunate to have a fellow around at George Bissett. He Picked me up from from, uh, from school at Tottenham Tech at uh, at three thirty every afternoon uh, training day. He'd be out the front waiting for me. Picked me up uh, from school, take me to training, and uh, dropped me home because George uh, lived in uh, in Braybrook, and I was a Braybrook boy, uh, playing for Sunshine those days, but lived in Braybrook. And he'd uh, pick me up from school, bring me home, and Saturdays um, to make sure I was there on you know not put any pressure on mum and dad. If we had to be there early, he used to pick me up and uh, take me to the games. Wow. He was unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. He just, uh, but that was the nature of the beast. Georgie just he looked after all the young players, and uh, you could never thank him enough. I, I remember in the first game when, when things got a little bit um, you know, dried up a little bit midway through the game. Uh, I was next to him, and um, I think Peter Shields was the umpire, and uh, he got a, a free kick, and I was nearby, and he gave the ball to me. And Peter Shields said, "George." <laughs> You can't do that. It's your kick. <laughs> I looked at Peter Shields and said, come on, mate. You can at least give me one. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, George actually hand, hand, handed the ball to me when he got the free kick. The um, the lure of, so, uh, of Teddy's jumper. Now, it really was Teddy's jumper that, that they gave you. Exactly. I remember my, my first my first night there, uh, in, second, maybe second, I'd uh, with the property steward, Joey. Was it Joey Little or Joey Small, Ross? Um I can't remember his name, but I'll never forget. He said to me, um, "Son, here's uh, here's the jumper. Try it on. This is Ted's last jumper, and we've got it." So I put it on. It was look seriously. It looked as though I'd, I'd you know, I put a tent over me because <laughs> Ted was a big man. Yeah. He said, "That's okay." So he took it home, and his wife sewed the jumper up uh, so I could uh, so I could wear it on the Saturday. 
Yeah, which is amazing. We often talk a lot about uh, the the underachieving of the of the seventies players uh, that that we had. Now, and you know, some of those names I reeled off before are just absolute household names in football, not just in in the in the Bulldogs' history. What do you put it down to, Ross? Absolutely. A reason why the the success in the seventies was down to two finals, basically. Yes, Kevin. Um, I think that uh, with footy clubs, you need three things: you need to have good players, you know, good administration, and good luck. We had an outstanding list, um, just just outstanding. When you look at some of those team photos, uh, the 1974 team photo, there's uh, uh, four Brownlow medalists and a best and fairest in in the row, <laughs> one after the other. Yeah. Um, so there's no question we had an outstanding group and, and a, a lot of tall, quick players. Um, so we were blessed with uh, outstanding people that you uh, ran off before. Um, the administration was in turmoil for most of the time that Alan and I played. I think, Changed um, every week, <laughs> and and it, I think I think there was sort of a general manager or secretary, whoever was doing that role. The name changed occasionally, but I think there was ten in my eleven seasons wow. over that period. At least, and there were warring there were warring factions. There was social club was was closed and locked for a year, so there was a lot of off field stuff, and then it culminated in players being um, traded, um, Dennis Collins, Bernie Quinlan, Ray Hubbards, and then as a consequence, Laurie Sanderland. Um, you know, that, that was a bit, that was late in the 70s. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so, and bad luck. Well, Stephen Boyle, um, he lost his eye in, in a, um, an accident, in an on-field accident um, against St Kilda. Robert Rose had... Uh, Car accident, which left him a quadriplegic, yeah. and Neil Sachs. Um, uh, we both played um, in that match, and uh, you know, just uh, just a, a rotten luck, um, and uh, just just dreadful. Um, so that yeah. sort of really um, affected the club a lot. Um, it, yeah, so yeah, that, that's how I see it. I don't know if Alan would see it slightly differently or differently. Yeah. But that's how I see. It. No, I agree. But you talk about the players leaving, and uh, it was it was it was a consequence of balancing books. Players were sold to other clubs to, to keep us afloat, yeah. um, and that's that's a sad set of circumstances. Uh, you know, just to um, to keep the club going, uh, you you sell well, you, you you run it off the name of players, uh, and uh, it just should have never happened. You know, we should have been strong enough to um, to hold it together. And, and sadly, I, you know, after going to Essen, I was fortunate enough to uh, uh, to play under under Kevin Sheedy. Um, and, and Sheed's, you know, he was a, the, the ultimate. Well, he was the first professional coach um, in the league at that time. And uh, I think uh, the realization comes around very very quickly that uh, the catalyst of being a really good side is is, is coaching. And um, and I don't think you know Bobby Rose. Was a was a great man, Bobby, but I don't know whether he was uh, he was a great coach. Um, yeah. and I'm not and I'm not talking him down, but he, success uh, went a miss at Collingwood, and, and I think um, you know that might have been a result of uh, of um, you know being an old school coach rather than even being in a, a more modern day when they lost you know n- numerous premierships or finals at Collingwood. I don't think we were coached well, and. Uh, a lot of the players that left, um, in the, the people that you named, um, have often mentioned that when they went to went to other clubs, and uh, almost their eyes were opened at, uh, at at the standard of coaching that they they come upon. You know, you know, Gems went to uh, North, and 
was uh, coached by Barras and uh, and, and uh, guys that went to Richmond and were coached by Tommy Hafey. It's uh, it just was an extraordinary uh, life changing circumstance for them. And I, yeah. I I wish I had have been coached by Kevin Sheedy when I was a kid uh, or Tommy Hafey. It would have. Uh, I think um, it would have improved you as a, as a footballer enormously. Yeah. Player welfare is talked about a lot these days. So when, when you think back now on, on what happened with Neil Saxon and Robert Rose and, and, and the effect that it had on, on you, not on the field but off the field and, and, and the, the, how that permeated around the club, do you both look back on that now and, and uh, see what an enormous impact that had on, on the playing group and on the club in general? I think it had to because um, most players, I remember going out and visiting um, uh, Neil out at, uh, at Heidelberg at, at, at the hospital and, um, you know, it, as soon as you, walk, you knew he was in a bad way, but to actually spend time with him uh, in traction and, uh, and talking to him, he, he, he had such a strong resolve. Um, he, it, nothing actually seemed to phase him, but mm. you knew, whoever, saw, whoever was talking to him knew full well that he was never going to walk again. Um, and it was uh, it was seriously hard hard to to come to terms with. You know, one of your teammates is uh, just by a freak accident has uh, uh, won't work, won't walk. His family life changed, and his whole life changed. It's uh, it's pretty tough. Ross, yes. Well, look, I well that's, I agree with what Alan said. I guess uh, Kevin, in those days, um, we didn't have psychiatrists. So, sorry, psychologists as we do now in society. Um, so I guess we were left to um, uh, deal with it individually as, you know, that was just the way it was in those days. Um, you sort of say, well, and I still say, you know, but for the grace of God, go, well, I mean, you know, it's when he was started the game and um, Neil, was, Neil was the one that was hurt. And, um, and I just reinforce what Alan said, that he's, Neil is just an amazing person, what he's achieved with his life um, subsequent to his uh, uh, accident has been incredible. Um, the funds that he's raised through the foundation to yeah. assist with uh, spinal cord uh, research and so forth is, is just amazing. It's a time you wouldn't want to go through again, personally for you know for Neely's family or anyone involved. It was um, you really had it was very very hard to get your head around it, um, but you, you, you did. But and as as Ross said, there was no one to say, "Listen, guys." Um, this is what this is. This is what we're going to do as a group, or you as an individual. This will help you through it. And I think uh, today, where the players are, it uh, it makes it so much easier to get over, you know, major problems in your life. Given the lack of success of the club, uh, you both represented Victoria. Was that was that kind of the high point of uh, of your of your time in the seventies in terms of as a as a player getting a, an opportunity to experience that sort of thrill, Ross? Absolutely, you <laughs> bet. Yes, that was a very, very proud moment and, uh, yeah, great thrill and uh, sort of tingles down my spine now. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah no, it's something you can never forget. It really no. I remember. I remember going to training at the MCG and uh, walking into the, uh, the into the change rooms and uh, put the bag down and um, there's uh, Malcolm Blight, there's Lee Matthews, uh, Kevin Bartlett, and I'm thinking, phew. Uh, I don't feel comfortable sitting here. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the wrong place. Yeah. These these guys are the legends of the game. You know, you, you're sitting with Lee Matthews to go to training, and you're playing. You're playing with him. Wow, it was quite extraordinary. Um, yeah. But it was a it was definitely a highlight. You just it don't get the opportunity to play with the all time greats. Uh, you know, and, uh, we, and that was the thing that I, I think the players would they probably if they was sat down and asked about it, they would love to play 
as a as a group uh, with the best of the best of the best in the state competition would be fantastic. They did it earlier this year, but. Uh, you know, I don't know when it'll ever happen again. Yeah, Ross, it must have been extraordinary for you. I mean, uh, the, but at the end of the nineteen seventy three season, you hadn't even played uh, ten games at that stage. You head into nineteen seventy four. You played twenty, I think, twenty two games that year, uh, and you, you're in the you're in the Victorian team in nineteen seventy five. It was an amazing twelve month period for you. It, I, yeah, I guess it was. But um, as I said early, earlier, um, I played consistently in the seconds and felt pretty frustrated at the end of nineteen seventy three. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, trained, did a big pre-season and uh, I was fortunate enough that John Burt was our reserves coach and he moved to Strathmore and we used to go for runs of an evening and so forth and um, he was a great support. Um, you know, when my parents, obviously, were, they were great support, uh, but certainly John Burt was a, a huge help and he was a really good coach too. We were fortunate to um, have him as our reserves coach. Um, so, yeah, I guess my turnaround game was uh, round two. I played against the Boom Recruit, Malcolm yeah. Blight, in the <laughs> first game. Yeah. And uh, I, I um, did all right. And then it, it went on from there. And uh, so I had a, a good season um, and, um, and through 75. And we had a ripper time in that um, 1974. We were second on the ladder coming into Queen's birthday, um, played Richmond, who were the reigning premiers, in front of a... Western Bulldogs record crowd, still a record crowd for a home and away game on the MCG, and it was a fantastic game. And just a few things uh, late in the game, you know, turned one way, and, and they got a few goals and uh, ended up beating us. But um, yeah, that was a, an exciting time. Peter Welsh kicked 40 goals, I think, uh, up till round 10. Uh, Bernie was on fire in the forward line as well, and Demps was uh, doing what Demps just did all the time. He just dominated. Um, yeah, so it's a very exciting time. Alan, for well, yourself, how, what was it like playing with the likes of Gary Dempsey and those and those blokes uh, in the position that you played? You soon realised um, the capacity of a Gary Dempsey that uh, other sides would look at in, in a game, and they just couldn't get the ball past him. It didn't matter where where they kicked it; he'd mark it. He just had these telescopic arms that seemed to come from every, anywhere yeah. and and grab it. Dempsey was a great player. There's no doubt about it. Yep. Really, really good player. Who, uh, who, who, would you rate is, who was your rate of the best player you played with at the Doggies? Well, I think there's three uh, for mine. Um, Dempsey, Quinlan and Templeton oh, were wow. all outstanding players. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess uh, Dempsey, uh, Gary Dempsey, his um, consistency was just incredible. And like Alan said, they couldn't get it past him. And I'm sure the other coaches were tearing their hair out. Like they'd be all saying, don't kick it to Dempsey. <laughs> well, that might be well and good, but Dempsey would get it anyway. Uh, uh, so, find a way. Yeah. So that, and uh, Quinlan, I mean, he was just a complete player. I think when he moved to Fitzroy, he might have been um, even taken it to a slightly higher level, but he was phenomenal. And Chambleton, gee, what a player. Yeah. And we both yeah. played. We both played in the game where he kicked fifteen nine, and uh, yeah, just it was amazing. Just incredible. Saturday, the first yeah, of July, nineteen seventy eight. It was. Poor old Trevor Barker. Yes, poor old Barker a mate, was a mate of mine, um, and he said to me during the game, uh, late in the last quarter, he said, "Rocky, the, the umpire that wasn't a mark, and the last one wasn't a mark." I said, "Barks, he's on a roll, and, and all the crowds cheering for Temple. Mate, it doesn't matter. They're just going to give it to him now." <laughs> and it just. It just went on and on and on, and uh, you know, it's an amazing day. Fifteen goals, incredible. 
And poor old Mocker Dunstan kicked seven that day. No one even talks about it. Oh, Mocker does. That day we said, Pack in at the temple. He said, I've got five. And I don't think an, off, an on ball has, has kicked more than five or seven. He said, I'm going to break the, break, break the record as well. Yeah, I mean, that was an outstanding day. But Kelvin played that way. Like, he, that wasn't a flash in the pan. That was, he was just the dominating player. Yeah. Just a fantastic and magnificent kid. His off field uh, training regime was extraordinary. You know, doing yeah. weights and, uh, and sprints. And he had a, um, a fellow by the name of Fred Lehman, who in latter years come to Essendon uh, as, a, as, as a fitness coach. He would take Kelvin uh, aside. Do weights and uh, and run him up and down the stairs with uh, to increase his speed. So he really left no stone unturned to to get the best out of himself. He was uh, he was an amazing uh, athlete uh, at, at, even at an early age. What um what's your fondest memories of your time at the doggies, Alan? It's um there were so many. Um, I suppose playing our first finals uh, was was a was a great experience because you just it hadn't happened since uh, sixty since the sixties and we played in the seventy was it seventy. Four final series, yeah, which was amazing. We got flogged by Collingwood at, uh, at at VFL Park. I suppose the people that you've met over the journey. One of the first men I met at uh, at, at the doggies was a fellow by the name of Dolly Aiken, yeah. who played uh, in the first first game um, that, was, that the doggies played in in the, in the league. Um, he, he came up to him, this big man of about six foot four, silver headed fella. He said, "Name's Dolly, son." Anything, anything you want to know, or I can help. Just come and see old Dolly, and he was such a gentleman, and uh, he just never missed a beat. He was just a wonderful person, and uh, those sort of people that you meet, um, you never forget them. You know, they they sort of impact your life. I think in in the, in the long run, and uh, you've got to be thankful for to have those people. Yeah, Ross, is that the is that the sort of um, uh, the stories that you want the current players to say about the the past players? Now that you're involved in the past players association, and you see where that sits in the landscape of footy these days. Yeah, well, I think that uh, when we've had the recruits uh, dinners, which we've done the last few years, uh, I think one of the things that, that really stands out when you reflect on the past players is the friendships, the great friendships. Um, we had a a uh, recruits dinner to, a couple of years ago where Bernie Quinlan was presented uh, with uh, a recognition jumper from Peter Welsh. They've been mates since they started in the 19, uh, year 1968. Um, and Owen Madigan was there with Ian Bryant. They've been mates for longer. Ray Baxter and John Schultz were there and they've been mates for longer. And so it goes on. But the thing that uh, I guess the message that we were sort of putting across that night was to say, well, we don't know how your career will go. One thing you can be pretty confident of is that you'll make some great friends. Yeah, and uh, I think that's uh, I think that's what we've found and um, continue to find. You know, we're um, both heavily involved with uh, past players. The aim of that is to get uh, former teammates to connect with their their um, teammates, ex teammates, and officials. And uh, we run functions um, to facilitate that mid year functions, end of year functions with the likes of Dale Morris and, and Jack Landsberger's careers at the club celebrated last year. Yeah, and that's been supported by um, young play- young ex-players as well as um, older ex-players. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, uh, nine, t- nine times out of ten players don't leave clubs of their own volition. No, I think that's right. And um, I think the majority of players leave before they think they should. <laughs> and that goes for the, some of the – many of the superstars – 
um, that if they think they've got one good leg, well, they reckon they can go for another year or so. So nearly always they're, they're leaving before they think they should. Uh, but um, So that's a fact of life, and it's a matter of, uh, I guess, us trying to, uh, looking to convince them to um, get involved with their great mates again and uh, to be able to say, look, if you come to this function, you'll have five of your best mates will be there. Yeah. And if we can do that, they will. And uh, they'll all have a good time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's that's one of the ongoing challenges that we face. And, and uh, well, tell us your experience, Alan, because obviously you did, you didn't leave the club of your own volition uh, completely, but uh, you wanted to move on and have an opportunity somewhere else. Kevin, I was sacked. I was sold. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about I, I, that. I was putting it nicely, a- Al. <laughs> Don McKenzie um, gave me, because Don was close at the time, he gave me a call and said, look, uh, look, I'm on Australia. I'd had uh, uh, Collingwood and Essendon uh, coming around because Jack, Jack Collins, who was president, had bandied me around to a couple of clubs to, uh, to sell, to sell me to. And um, so I knew about it um, as, as the process uh, went on. And um, But I said to Macca, look, I'll stay uh, until the end of the year and then I'm gone. Um I'll do it because you've stuck your neck out for me. I'll, I'll hang in for the end of the season and then make a decision on where I go. So, yeah, yeah I uh, I didn't move um, because I wanted, you know, particularly wanted to move. It was a case of, um, you know, son, <laughs> you've been sold. So coming back to the Past Players Association, as you have in the in the last few years, is, has that been a really good experience for you? Because it looks it. Oh, it always is. Yeah. Past Players is great. The stories get better and or the, the truth gets bent a little bit more than <laughs> It becomes better and better as years go on. Players don't change. You know, we played because we love the game and love playing with teammates, and it's great to catch up. And that's 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 the uh, the best part of it. Yeah, Kevin, I think that it's uh, really important uh, that the past players um, uh, get together. They're part of the fabric of the club. We've got a great setup. We uh, have the use of the Danvers room at. Um, Marvel Stadium on, for home matches and we've got a 150 reserve seats in front of that. So it's a great way to socialise with your mates. Yep. Um, and as I said, uh, well, I know you're aware of these things, Kevin, but um, you know we have a the recruits dinner, a mid-year uh, lunch or dinner and an end-of-year um, function as well and bowls and golf, um, golf days as well. And got a very enthusiastic uh, committee who represent um, people from the 2000s back to the 1960s, even late 1950s. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we're very keen to get all the young fellas involved and this uh, health crisis has uh, created a perfect opportunity to uh, really get stuck into updating the database, which yeah. we've used, and um, that's been good. And these podcasts, Kevin, that you've done, I think those sort of things help. And uh, we're looking to the e-newsletters as well to, uh, again, get people uh, reconnected with uh, fellas that they had some of the best years of their life with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the really good part about that is is the buy-in from the from the group around that 2,000 mark who've, uh, who've bought into it too. That's that's really important. That's always the hardest ones to get back to the most recent. Yeah, we've got like sort of six or seven decades and they're at different times of their life, so one needs to be mindful of that. Um, and uh, we've focused different functions on different groups, but looking to get all of the groups involved um, um, at things like the end of the year function. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, now, Alan, I wanted to ask you, is it is it folklore or is it true that uh, that Bones McGee gave you the Rocky nickname? 
certainly did. I said, Bones was number five, I was number three, Walshie number four, so our lockers were really close together. And uh, we're sitting there uh, after training one night, he said, um, oh, Stoneham, Rocky. Me and Rocky McGee. And I said, yeah, what? He said, that's it, Rocky. That's, that's, that's you know, that's simple as that. And it started. He he was the one, he was the one that instigated. He started calling me, um, Rocky, and uh, and everyone just fired through. Well, and that, with the bloke like Bones, he didn't argue with him. I was going to say, no one was going to say no to Bones uh, back in those days, no. <laughs> or, or these days no. for that matter. It, it, nothing's changed. I'm not going to show you that. I had a beer with him a little while ago, and uh, you, 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 you've got to agree with Bones. Yeah, absolutely. He's a good man. Hey, Russell, I want to ask you, uh, uh, we talked about the volatile situation between, you know, the players and the and the club and all that. You mentioned the, the social club being closed there at one stage. You were actually the spokesperson for the playing group at one stage, weren't you? Yes, I was. Um, Laurie Sandlands was, uh, the, was the spokesperson and, uh, well, he tells the story that he had a couple of drinks and the Herald um, reporter rang him up and, uh, Laurie, Laurie sort of let him know all of his thoughts, and that appeared on the back page of the Herald um, that night. So Laurie actually moved to Collingwood as a consequence. Yeah, yeah so I was the player spokesman, and it was uh, front page news, and it was um, on the telly and stuff like that. It was said that, uh, the, that there was uh, an imminent player strike, or that that might have been on the cards. We did not want to do that. That wasn't the case, but it was pretty tense. And, uh, yeah, well, it was uh, an yeah, unfortunate time when we should have been, you know, really uh, excelling on the field. We were um, in that situation. And um, at the end of the year, um, there was a change and uh, Charlie Sutton came back to That's the club right. yeah. and he was a unifying um, uh, figure. And um, But there had been a lot of damage that had been done, yeah. Yeah. Interesting, interesting mm. times, those late part of the 70s for the uh, for the footy club. Hey, gents, thank you both for your time. I really I really do appreciate it. I enjoyed the chat and uh, uh, good health and, uh, and happiness to you both. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Well, thanks to Ross and to Alan, two great blokes, and uh, enjoy their company at the Past Players and Officials Association. And you can too. Uh, if you are a past player or official of this club, please get involved. Uh, get reconnected with the club if you're not already and uh, and come and enjoy uh, match days and uh, the functions that are held uh, that Ross uh, talked about there. Uh, they'll be uh, back up and running as soon as we get back to normal. So my thanks to both Ross and Alan for their time. Really do appreciate it. And look forward to the next Two Dogs podcast. Don't forget about our, uh, our uh, episodes uh, that we've uh, got up and running uh, with some of the other great players of this football club and there are plenty more to come, believe me. The Two Dogs podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. I'm Kevin Hillier. Go the doggies. Russia can't beat the boys on the bull on green. The team-